It's Tuesday, December 10th, 2019, 77 days since the House opened its impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump, and this is Impeachment Today. Good morning, I'm Hayes Brown, reporter and editor at BuzzFeed News. Things are hitting warp speed as Democrats get ready to finalize the articles of impeachment against Donald Trump. Today, we're recapping what may be the last day of witnesses testifying in the House as part of the impeachment process. It was, depending on your point of view, a rehash of what we've learned so far or a preview of what to expect at Trump's eventual trial in the Senate. Either way, it lasted uh, 10 hours. So uh, let's dive right in. Okay, if you were hoping that the two sides of the House would come together once all the facts were laid out and the case for impeachment made, well, A, think again, and B, please hook me up with your dealer because, uh, wow. Things kicked off bright and early at 9 a.m. in the Judiciary Committee with opening statements from the chair. Mr. Chairman, I have a point of order. Opening statements from the chair, Jerry Nadler, and ranking... Mr. Chairman, I have a point of order. And ranking member Doug Collins, and they were totally... Mr. Chairman, I have a point of order. Enough. Okay, fine. This is what I'm talking about with one side determined to derail the show. Unlike last week's hearing in judiciary, this time around the Republican minority wanted to make things as difficult as possible. And for that, they turned to a tool near and dear to my heart, parliamentary procedure. House Republicans forced the committee to take at least four roll call votes, getting the yays and nays from the entire 41-person committee during the first few hours of the hearing on the most basic things, like whether or not to take a quick break. That kept the flow of the testimony choppy at first, which is exactly what the Republicans wanted. Okay, this hearing was meant to lay out the final cases for and against impeaching the president. Daniel Goldman, who you may remember from the Intelligence Committee hearings, brought the fire for the Democrats. The president's scheme is actually quite simple, and the facts are not seriously in dispute. It can be boiled down to four key takeaways. First, that President Trump directed a scheme to pressure Ukraine into opening two investigations that would benefit his 2020 re-election campaign and not the U.S. national interest. Second, President Trump used his official office and the official tools of U.S. foreign policy, the withholding of an Oval Office meeting and $391 million in security assistance to pressure Ukraine into meeting his demands. Third, everyone was in the loop, his chief of staff, the secretary of state, and vice president. And fourth, despite the public discovery of this scheme, which prompted the president to release the aid, he has not given up. He and his agents continue to solicit Ukrainian interference in our election, causing an imminent threat to our elections and our national security. And Steve Castor, lawyer for the Republicans, gave the best case he could for defending the president's action, laying out four points of his own. Well, there's four things that will never change, and that is the the transcript is complete and accurate. It shows no quid pro quo, no conditionality. Uh, That's number one. Number two, there was no pressure. Both Zelensky and Trump have said that repeatedly. Uh, President Zelensky said that at uh, the United Nations on September 25th. He said it in subsequent news articles on October 6th and October 10th and uh, December 1st. Um, Number three, the Ukrainians and Zelensky did not know about the pause in aid, at the very least, at the time of the call. Um, And number four, no investigations were announced. The aid was released. And the White House, uh, you know, afforded a meeting, and then President Trump met with uh, Zelensky in New York. 
That sounds like a pretty solid list on the surface, especially if you're just tuning into all this. But Democrats had answers for all those points. First, the idea that there was no conditionality on the White House visit, and Trump and Ukraine's President Zelensky met in New York eventually anyhow. Well, not so fast. Following the call, did President Zelensky come to the White House for a meeting? Uh, No, he's never come to the White House, and several witnesses, multiple witnesses, said that there's a huge distinction between a White House meeting and a meeting on the sidelines of the U.N. General Assembly where they did meet on September 25th. So has a White House meeting been scheduled? No. And then there's the idea that because Donald Trump said there was no quid pro quo on a phone call— there was no quid pro quo. Here's what Goldman said, referring to two witnesses' testimony during the public hearings. Ambassador Taylor said that. Ambassador, uh, Mr. Morrison said something similar. Their understandings of that conversation is that there was a clear directive that there was a quid pro quo, factually, from the conduct, from the actions. And we've talked a lot today about the words and that Zelensky said no pressure and Trump said no pressure and no quid pro quo. But as an investigator, as a prosecutor, you need to look at the actions to understand what those words mean. And that's why this call in particular is so important. And about that thing that he just said, that Ukraine's President Zelensky said publicly he didn't feel pressured. So everything was super chill and friendly, right? Wrong! Did your investigative committees consider those statements by President Zelensky? We did, and we found that the statements of what is effectively... A, an extortion victim are not particularly relevant to the actual truth of the matter because President Zelensky cannot in reality, for the same reasons that he's, he interpreted the request to be a demand, he can't go out and say that he did feel pressure because that would potentially upset President Trump and they're so dependent on the relationship with President Trump and the United States. Would one could almost say it's similar to a hostage testifying under duress. It is certainly a, a duress would be a good word. The Ukrainians didn't know the aid was held. Got an answer for that one. And colleagues have suggested that the Ukrainians did not even know about the military aid being withheld. Is that true? Uh, no, there, there was uh, significant evidence that even as early as July 25th, at the time of this call, that Ukrainian officials had suspected that Um, the aid was being withheld, and there was a New York Times article actually last week that wasn't included in our report, but from the former foreign, or deputy foreign minister who said that they, that Ukraine, the uh, President Zelensky's office received a diplomatic cable from the embassy here the week of July 25th saying that the aid had been held. And then there was this Jim from the Republicans' lawyer Castor under questioning. Give us some of the examples of the hearsay being relied on by the majority to make their case. You know, one of the, a lot of the information, for example, that Ambassador Taylor was communicating, um, you know, he he very diligently recorded notes about what some of the the various officials told him, but it was about, you know, it was one and two steps uh, removed from the actual fact. And that's that's the problem with hearsay, is that it's a whisper down the lane situation. And if some of the people that are doing the whispering have a, um, are predisposed to not like President Trump, then, then what, what they're whispering down the lane becomes even more distorted. But as we have noted, most of what we don't know is because the White House has ordered the entire executive branch not to testify or turn over any documents. For more on that, go listen to our episode from December 6th titled, If You Don't Have Anything Nice to Say.
Okay, so in the search for a defense, something we heard a lot of from both the GOP's lawyers and members was that Ukraine's attempts to influence the 2016 election were a totally legit reason for Trump to be suspicious of that country. Here's Castor making that claim. Let me say very, very clearly that election interference is not binary. I'm not saying that it was Ukraine and not Russia. I'm saying that both countries can work to influence an election. A systemic, coordinated Russian interference effort does not mean that some Ukrainian officials, some Ukrainian officials, did not work to oppose President Trump's candidacy, did not make statements against President Trump during the election. Um record, I do not believe that one could conclude that President Trump had no legitimate basis to raise a concern about efforts by Ukrainians to influence the 2016 election. Uh, okay, for I'm sure not the last time, a few op-eds and Facebook posts from Ukrainian officials willing to put their names to their thoughts are not the same as a secret Russian military operation to influence the election via hacking and propaganda, which is the comparison that is trying to be made when bringing up Ukraine and the 2016 election. Not to mention the many conspiracy theories about CrowdStrike and the server that went unsaid during that statement. <sighs> okay. That's the news, but there was a lot of noise during this hearing. One moment that stood out for sheer dumbnitude was when Florida man Representative Matt Gates tried to nail the Democrats' lawyer, Goldman, for a past tweet of his. So as we sit here today, where you've, I guess, got a tweet mentioning a P-tape, presenting yourself not as a partisan, hired by the Democrats to pursue the president, do you regret this tweet? Sir, I would be happy to put my this investigation up with any of the nonpartisan investigations. I just want to know if you regret the tweet, Mr. Goldman. During my 10 years as a federal prosecutor. Do you regret it? I hope you read the evidence, and I think you can judge You either regret it or you don't regret it, Mr. Goldman. I guess you don't want to answer the question. You know what? I need a nap. But that was it for the hearing. And with that, the Judiciary Committee Express is pulling out of the station. Next up, articles of impeachment. Toot toot. And now, on to our daily nexometer reading. Well, I'm not a crook. Zero. Normal day, normal White House. Ten. Nixon hands in his resignation letter to the Secretary of State and takes a helicopter ride in Marine One. This morning we're at a 7.5. If we're going to do an extended metaphor, the mold is almost set for the die to be cast. Nothing in the Judiciary Committee's hearing made it sound like the Democrats are having any doubts about impeachment. Nor, though, did it sound like any Republicans are going to be coming around anytime soon. So now, it's just a matter of time. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, BuzzFeed News congressional reporter Addie Baird will have a vibe check for us from the Hill. Stick around. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. This is Roxanne Gay, host of the Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams. Now, what is the Roxanne Gay Agenda, you might ask? Well, 
It's a podcast where I'm going to speak my mind about what's on my mind, and that could be anything. Every week, I will be in conversation with an interesting person who has something to say. We're going to talk about feminism, race, writing in books and art, food, pop culture, and yes, politics. I start each show with a recommendation. Really, I'm just going to share with you a movie or a book or maybe some music or a comedy set, something that I really want you to be aware of and maybe engage with as well. Listen to the Luminary Original Podcast, The Roxanne Gay Agenda, The Bad Feminist Podcast of Your Dreams, every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys? I'm Rashad Bilal. And I am Troy Millings, and we are the hosts of the Earn Your Leisure Podcast, where we break down business models and examine the latest trends in finance. We hold court and have exclusive interviews with some of the biggest names in business, sport and entertainment. From DJ Khaled to Mark Cuban, Rick Ross, and Shaquille O'Neal, I mean, our alumni list is expansive. Listen in as our guests reveal their business models, hardships, and triumphs in their respective fields. The knowledge is in-depth, and the questions are always delivered from your standpoint. We want to know what you want to know. We talk to the legends of business, sports, and entertainment about how they got their start, and most importantly, how they make their money. Earn Your Leisure is a college business class mixed with pop culture. Want to learn about the real estate game? Unclear as how the stock market works? We got you. Interested in starting a trucking company or a vending machine business? Not really sure about how taxes or credit work? We got it all covered. The Earn Your Leisure podcast is available now. Listen to Earn Your Leisure on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, how you ready? Okay, welcome back. It was a long-ass Monday in the Capitol building, so we're counting on BuzzFeed News congressional reporter Addie Baird to let us know what the scene was like as the hearing concluded. Hello, Hayes. This is Addie, live from the Hill with your vibe check. It was another really long day on the Hill. One interesting thing that I noticed today that maybe people couldn't catch on TV was how sparse the public audience was. There were fewer people there publicly than I've seen at any of the other hearings. Especially near the end of the hearing, the members started to really seem to lose their attention spans. Some of them were talking to each other. Some of them were on their phones. I saw a member, while another member was questioning, literally answer his cell phone. At one point, Nadler left. Many Republicans left. And by the end of it, I think everyone was just exhausted. Nadler refused to talk about any additional scheduling, despite, you know, pushes from Republicans to do so. But, uh, you know, for now, this is the last thing on the schedule. And I think everyone is pretty relieved. Thanks, Addie. For more coverage about this hearing and everything else impeachment, be sure to head over to BuzzFeedNews.com, the internet website with news. Okay, that is it for today. Tomorrow we'll have more for you as we inch closer to a historic vote in the Judiciary Committee. Just to be clear, that will be only the fourth time since the U.S.'s founding that the Judiciary Committee has approved articles of impeachment. Aren't we lucky to be living history? Aren't we? Be sure to subscribe to Impeachment Today on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go to hear my disembodied voice. And uh, maybe leave us a rating and a review. 
Also, tell your friends about the show as we all figure this out together. They say, if you love something, to set it free. If it doesn't come back, it was never yours to begin with. Here at LifeLock, we have to say, what a load of bull hockey. All those nights working overtime, saving up all that money, paying off all that debt, and now some identity thief wants to try and set it free? That's crazy talk. The truth is, it can be dangerously easy to steal your identity. But with LifeLock by Norton, it's easy to help protect yourself. We help monitor your info and alert you to potential identity threats. If you become a victim, a dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions, but everyone can save up to 25% off their first year at lifelock.com aware. That's lifelock.com aware for 25% off. LifeLock. Identity theft protection starts here. The NFL Podcast Network is your home for all things football. Do you love hearing analysis around the league with a touch of mirth? Or maybe you enjoy breaking down X's and O's in the college scouting scene. Do you breathe, sleep, and eat fantasy football? Perhaps you love the funny headlines that emerge each week. What if you want in-depth news coverage with reporters? Or what if you want to know exactly how each team got its name? Well, you're in luck because the NFL Podcast Network has a show for everybody. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Colleen Witt. Join me, the host of Eating While Broke podcast, while I eat a meal created by self-made entrepreneurs, influencers, and celebrities over a meal they once ate when they were broke. Today, I have the lovely AJ Crimson, the official princess of Compton, Asia. Kidding, and Asia. This is The Professor. We're here on Eating While Broke, and today I'm going to break down my meal that got me through a time when I was broke. Listen to Eating While Broke on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.